House of Cards Chapter 45 is over, but we are just getting started here on the House of Cards post-show recap. And now here are the two guys who are figments of Frank Underwood's imagination. Ah, we're just ammonia. I'm Rob Sister and here's Zach Brooks. I'm awake, Rob. I'm back. <laughs> we're back, baby. Yeah. The Underwoods are back. Frank is back. Everything is honky-dory here on House of Cards after six episodes. After a walk on the wild side. Yeah, it's a new liver day. Yeah, I've got a new liver. We're raring to go. The Underwood marriage is back together. Boy, I was not expecting everything to be uh, this sort of like patched up and ready to go back after. I thought like we were going to have Claire Underwood is going to be wanting Frank to die. Now, seemingly, we are just completely a united front again. Yeah, I feel like we're at, like we're almost at the halfway point of the season and we've hit a split. I think this is the end of whether you want to call it act one of the season or, you know, if this is like um, Sopranos or Mad Men or Breaking Bad where they have the split in the season, mm-hmm. we, we've hit kind of our split point in this season. Yeah. Their marriage seems to be back together. Frank is back. This Russia situation is dealt with. Dunbar is, you know, I don't, I don't want to jump into everything, but, but it does seem like we're at a very nice kind of break between the, uh, the two Twix bars. I almost feel like that in a 24 season, you would have this a lot where it's like after like about like 13 episodes into that season, it's like the major threat for the first half of the season is over. And then like the start of the second threat is really starting to pop up. And I almost feel like at the same time we have the marriage looks like it's going to be back together. Frank is out of the coma. He's back up and running. And thirdly, Dunbar does officially look to be D-O-N-E bar. And we are going to maybe start to turn our attention towards the general election. I wonder if we might not have a time jump here going into episode seven of this season. But we'll talk all of that through as it's all good news for the Underwoods right now. And uh, a very different place than we were just but two episodes ago here as we talk chapter 45. Zach, how's everything going for you? It's great. Uh, I think this season is is a lot of fun so far. I'm, I'm liking the pacing. I'm liking the way that that it's going. I, I'm not exactly sure where we're headed for the final seven episodes of this season, but I would imagine it's going to be a lot of campaigning. And uh, you know, Claire and Frank seem like they're back together, but uh, you know, is that going to last? Is is this it? Um, so I, I am I am happy though because on our season preview we talked about how long is the Frank and Claire split going to last and. I said six episodes and you said 10. I've been bad on the prediction so far this season, except for Dunbar is Dunbar. Yeah, you were on that. You were, yeah, you you called in the last episode that that this was all going to come back on Dunbar. And I, I thought she was going to continue to to bear the flag and, and she still might. But <laughs> no, uh, I yeah. saw this trouble on the horizon for Dunbar. Yeah. Not but, great. Yeah, I think we are going to be going headfirst into Conway time. Yeah, it's about Conway time, too. It's I mean, about Conway time. I mean, what, you don't cast Robocop to leave him sitting on the bench for six episodes. Come on. Yeah, we've seen barely a uh, hint of him other than some news clips back in the first episode, but we're starting to hear more and more about him and how he's got the search engine on his side. Once you know what people are searching for, then you control everything. Oh, man, I, I kind of like that. I, I, I feel like Google is the bad guy has been a, a trope in a lot of movies and TV shows lately. Um, but that's, I mean, that's interesting. That's a subplot we've never seen in an election and 
that I know of, we're not seeing it in this actual election. So it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. So we will talk about Dot Conway and talk about Ooh, what nice. he's up to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but uh, let's let's start with some of our uh, top stories. Okay, so President Underwood is back. At any point, Zach, did you begin to legitimately fear for the president's health? No, I, I didn't think anything was going to happen. I, I, you know, I thought he had to go through this dream, this dream sequence, kind of like what we've seen in other shows. I was I was remembering back. I think there was an episode of Nine Hundred Two One Zero where <laughs> Dylan had a similar uh, spirit quest he had to go through to wake up from his coma. Yes. Was he taking mescaline? Uh, I think this was around when he was on all the drugs, and I think he was chasing his heroin dealer in his dream. <laughs> it's been a very long time since I've seen that episode. Though. All right. So we did anticipate the dream sequence for Frank Underwood, but I don't think that we could have possibly anticipated a return of both Zoe Barnes and Pete Rousseau in the dream sequence. What did you think of that? That was a stunner. Yeah. And I mean, that was great. I really liked, you know, wasn't spoiled by the opening. We didn't see their names in the credits until the end of the episode. I had no idea they were returning. So good job keeping that under wraps. Not only Netflix, but also you viewers who have been already watched ahead of us and not tweeting us that they were going to be coming back. So uh, big surprise. That was fun. Short hair for uh, Zoe Barnes. What did you make of Zoe Barnes's haircut? Of course, they could give her a wig. I don't know what actually Kate Mara's hair is looking like these days. What did you think of Zoe Barnes with the shorter haircut? I just kind of assumed that she was in some role where she has to have short hair. And I didn't think too much of it, but it was striking. I mean, they could have given her a wig. You're right. They could have given her a wig. And my thing is, I'm wondering, is Frank looking at her as some sort of Claire substitute? Did she intentionally have the Claire Underwood haircut and not the blonde Claire Underwood haircut, but the powerful brunette? haircut for Claire Underwood. Yeah, you know, Claire Underwood's hair is is interesting because it is it is brunette under the blonde. It's almost like she's wearing a helmet of blonde over her hair. And if you remove the blonde, it would really look like the haircut that Zoe Barnes had in the dream sequence. Yeah. So, that's a, that's a good observation. And then also, here's Pete Rousseau. And I thought maybe when you saw that one shot of him, I thought, "Oh, maybe they couldn't really get Corey Stahl." But then he was really there. Yeah, I mean, that was great. I was I was really happy to see both of them back. I think I was happier to see Pete Rousseau back than Zoe Barnes, um, just because I really, really liked his character. I thought he was great. So uh, I'm glad they were able to work him back in. Yeah, the dream sequence was really well done. Frank is walking down that hallway and you just hear the sounds of the train car passing. And then he eventually gets into the Oval Office and he's sort of like uh, grabbing Zoe Barnes and she's trying to kiss him, but then she's like going to be poking his eyes. And again, we saw this in the dream sequence that he had with Claire Underwood earlier this season, that same sort of thing where the woman is driving her thumbs into his eyes. What do you think that means? I mean, it's, I think it's just an aggressive move. I think it's it's showing that they're a threat to him and, and blinding him. You know, maybe they're blinding him from being able to see how to how to help himself and how to get out of this situation. Yeah, um, I think there's definitely a blindness angle to it, but I don't think it's justice is blind. And then they were telling him like, there's, you know, you're going to be here with us. He might have had to stay for a while. And who knows how how long, you know, his mind was there in real time. He wasn't there more than, you know, a couple of weeks. But that, you know, he was he might have been in that in, mentally in that dream sequence for a long time. Kind of like 
um, in other in other movies and TV shows where we see a character's mind go somewhere for an extent, like uh, like Inception, for example. Yeah, and so then Frank Underwood gets into uh, the old uh, Devil's Triangle with Pete Rousseau <laughs> and Zoe Barnes. What did you make of that? Not, um, you know, we can't get quite the the name of Three Chum, where, where we have a three way between Zoe and Rousseau and and Frank, but uh, pretty hot and heavy. It was getting steamy in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You would think that maybe for Frank, this isn't uh, hell. This is heaven. Yeah. I mean, it, except he can't escape, you know, and too much of a good thing <laughs> might it, too much of a good thing. You know, it might be like the uh, the hands of the devil. <laughs> is that what it's like? Yeah. I don't know. Something like that. He couldn't get out of the room either. He tried to he tried to escape and the the doorknob just came right off. Yeah. In his hand. So I don't know what that means, but it's, it's a weird spot for Corey Stoll to come back in. It's like, OK, there's no dialogue. You're just going to be sort of like rubbing your face all over Kevin Spacey. And then and, and, uh, we're also going to bring Kate Mara in and she's also going to be in there, too. Yeah. I mean, who knows if that was actually Corey Stoll most of the time. It was a lot of close ups of his face. It could have been a double. <laughs> yeah. No, but he really was there that in the credits. He's credited. He, as oh, he was back. there. But I wonder if in, in a lot of the shots where <laughs> it's like, you know, a part of his face and Frank's face and Zoe's face. It was it did look really strange, but it's a dream. You so. think Corey Stoll was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Well, I mean, they're like, come on, K. Mara is here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, this is a nice bounce back for Kate Mara after Fantastic Four. She's in the Fantastic Fourth season now of House of Cards. So do you think, though, that did this dream sequence, this sort of going face to face, quite literally, with Zoe Barnes and Pete Rousseau, does this have anything to do with Frank's change of heart at the end of the episode? I do think so. And um, we actually got a question about this from Kayla Shook, and she asked if the dream sequence uh, showing Pete Rousseau and Zoe Barnes was alluding to the fact that Frank might be feeling guilty about what he did to them. Why else would they show him? Mm. And and I I do think that this is Frank coming to terms with the things that he's done, the people that he's hurt. I mean, it's it's no coincidence. The two people that are there, Meacham could have been, or I guess he wouldn't know Meacham was dead, but there are other people who have died on this show that could be there or just other people who he's hurt. But it was the two people he has directly murdered yeah. That we're both there during this scene. So I think this is him dealing with what he's done. Um, he can put on the the front, the the face that he's he's this this character out in public. But when he's in his own subconscious, he has to actually deal with what he's done. And, and if he's about to die, he's you know, he's this is what his his life has been. To me, I don't know if this had a direct impact in ultimately what he feels at the end of the episode, because it seems as though the biggest determining factor for him, the biggest thing that sort of swayed his opinion is how well Claire seemed to handle the plan. He doesn't say to Claire, he's like, I've been a fool, Claire. Uh, I've been uh, wrong about everything. And uh, I need to change my ways. Like he doesn't like wake up like Ebenezer Scrooge and is like, uh, I'm turning over a whole new leaf. Yeah. But at the same time, his dream does end with him across from Claire and she's in white and he's in black. And they're just looking at each other right before he wakes up and he, and he comes back. And so I do feel like this this whole journey that he went down did lead him to come to second thoughts about Claire and and see her either as, as a bigger threat than he originally did and realize he needs to play ball with her um, or just just f- start to have some emotion and some feelings about the way that he's done things. And when he came back, he, he might not be able to show that. He still has to be 
Frank Underwood. So he might not be able to totally be open and say, I, I've thought about it. I've had a change of heart, but work her back in. And, and it's, if that's the way he wants his, his life and his career to go, uh, it's, it, this is a good opportunity to, to work with Claire and to bring her back in. See, I'm really looking at this as that he, this near death experience for him is almost a reminder to him. Like I'm not as strong as I thought I was. I'm actually weaker than I thought I was. Claire is strong. I need her strength. We're stronger together than we are apart. I get all that. I just don't know if the Zoe Barnes and Pete Russo, oh, I've been a fool. I have made so many mistakes. I can't be the Frank Underwood you've come to know because I've hurt people. Yeah. And I I mean, I do think we're not going to see, I don't know if we're going to see this new Frank forever. Maybe, maybe this is a change. And I did notice that at the end of the episode, when they show Frank, um, his hair definitely seems like it's whiter than it was before he was shot. Yeah. He really, Spacey does a really good job acting here because he looks like uh, that he has got like one foot in the grave by the end of the episode. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I think that's, that's two things. I think it's one, we've talked about white and black a lot. We see it. And so we're seeing his hair white. And that's that's symbolic, but also the amount of stress his body has been under over the last few weeks is going to age somebody. Okay, so now we talked about the Underwoods are getting back together. I was pretty wrong about all of this stuff when I felt like that it was in Claire's best interest for Frank to die. Uh, Frank is now back on his feet. Claire, everybody is really liking her, except for Kathy, maybe. But it seems like that she was invaluable in terms of the negotiations with Petrov. So doesn't Donald Blythe get a lot of credit for how he handled the president's emergency? Because I think that maybe people disregarded Donald Blythe to begin with. But we talked about in one of the previous podcasts of if Donald Blythe handles the situation well, how does Frank Underwood get him off the ticket? You know, this might be the next uh, the next competitor for Frank. I mean, we know Conway's waiting in the wings, and I think we're going to start seeing more Conway on the back half of the season. But I could see Blythe being a competitor for Frank. I could see Blythe with this renewed um, aggression and confidence that he's got af- after handling this. And I don't know if he's going to be as subservient to Frank as we saw in the beginning. Well, when you say a competitor to Frank, what do you mean? Do you feel like that he is going to challenge him on more things? Or do you think he's actually going to try to throw his hat in the ring? I wonder if he might try to throw his hat in the ring. I don't it, think it, you can do that. I don't think that the vice president can also run for president at the same time. I, I don't know if there's a rule against that. I guess. I mean, I don't know. Can you be on two tickets? Can you say, well, um, he could say, I'm not your vice president. I'm not on your ticket. So you think that he would resign as vice president and then go off? I mean, if Claire isn't telling him to do those things, I can't imagine that that's the case. Unless Claire like says like, Oh, Blythe, you can really, I'm, I'm feeling really good about you. You should resign. You should run against Frank. I think he could win. And then she just takes over his spot. Well, I mean, if Claire already might be the vice president on the ticket, Blythe has got to go somewhere. I don't know where he goes. I mean, could they try to take Blythe out? Is that possible? No, I don't think I don't think they will. But um, if something happened to him, you'd need to replace him on the ticket. Yeah, I mean, Blythe has got to go somewhere. I don't think Blythe's whole role this season was just to be this puppet for for a few episodes for Claire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, things things changed a lot while while Frank was under and. and Doug says he's got to catch him up on it. And and we see a, a new Frank now. We see Frank the White. Francis so white. So, you know, we'll have to see. We'll have to see where this goes. But 
Um, there's a lot of catching up to do. You know, it's almost like the entire story of House of Cards, the moral of the story is that the biggest flaw in the American political system is that the president can appoint whoever he wants to be vice president at any time. And then once that person becomes vice president, all hell can break loose because it was really the whole season one was that Frank Underwood sort of like working to get Walker to get rid of his vice president so that he mm-hmm. could be the vice president. And then now Frank Underwood, then once he became the vice president, then got to become the president. And now Claire Underwood is basically like doing the same exact thing to Frank Underwood, where she is going to now exploit the thing where the president can appoint anyone he wants to be vice president so that she can be closer to being the president. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, if you think about it, like if this was like a Game of Thrones or or a show where where you have a hierarchy and people are trying to be king and you always kind of have that second in command. I mean, the battle for second is always, you know, it's, it's like the semifinals, I guess, right? Because like, the system is flawed because every other position, basically, in elected office, you have to win an election, except for the vice president, where the president could just pick anybody. And then once you get picked, then once the president is gone, you're the... F- full leader of the country so you think this is like bo willimon's thesis statement <laughs> yes yes uh, <laughs> four, no, four no. year long doctorate degree the vice presidency is the biggest scam in the entire government <laughs> yeah. oh man the, his take on the vice presidency we've all been we've all been fooled <laughs> he was so inspired by the whole sarah palin john mccain thing he's like oh we came so close to this being uh, sarah palin being the president uh, i gotta make a show about this this is all going to be all about how this is messed up. We need to rank a 28th Amendment and we need to make it about how the president and the vice president has to be elected. Interesting. No more appointing vice presidents. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's like a game where the queen is more pow- powerful than the king. I mean, you know, if you have like. How about chess? Oh, yeah, that, that I was thinking card games. But yes, in chess, that, that works. Yeah. <laughs> Frank Underwood can only move one space at a time because he's got one foot in the grave and Claire can move diagonal and up and down and left and right. She can go all over the place. Okay. So now Claire's plan, where do we go from here? So you think that Blythe is going to be emboldened by this? I mean, they got to get Blythe out of the picture. So how do you think it goes? I mean, I think it really depends on where we pick up with this. Uh, you would think that the Russia crisis is behind us unless Petrov is, is going to be planning something else for the second half of the season. But um, Frank has got to find a place for Claire. I don't think she just wants to be a behind the scenes advisor anymore. And she's earned, she's earned a spot. She did a very good job. So, um, you know, do we see a power battle between Blythe and Claire now for that second spot? uh, I just feel like that Claire has Blythe wrapped around his finger so much. I feel like that she could say to him like, uh, you know, Donald, it would really be for the best of the country if you just stepped aside and let me be the vice president. Like, well, Claire, if you say so. Let me throw one other thing out there for you and tell me what you think of this. Let me throw a little bit of a hot take prediction. All right. Is this the end of Petrov for season four? Is his story wrapped up? I mean, we did see that really good face to face between Claire and Petrov. But I just I got to think we're going to get Petrov versus Frank one more time, at least one more time. Or do we now completely focus on Conway? I mean, we have everything that went on with Milliken and the Chinese and the G7 summit. I wouldn't be surprised if we are done with Russia and Petrov for this season. Yeah, I mean, and I would be okay with that. I've always liked the domestic stuff more than the international stuff on this show. But I do think, 
you know, kind of thinking about where we are at this point in the season, we're almost halfway through the season and on the calendar, I mean, they haven't even had Super Tuesday yet. So they're further behind on the calendar than we are at this point. That's why I anticipate there to be some big time jumping coming around that I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see Frank now that Dunbar is out of the way. What else is going to be going on between now as we start to ramp up to the election? Or is this why we're getting season five? Because we're not going to get the election wrapped up in season four. We're going to be so far behind. I feel like that the system that they set up last year was that they sort of started the season around the time that real life was and then went far enough out into the future. And then the same sort of thing happened last year where we were up to at the end of last season a little bit before where this season started. So I have to feel like that they're going to get us far enough or at least close enough to where the fifth season of House of Cards picks up in early 2017. Yeah, I mean, I would like it if we keep that going, but I just feel like seven episodes left. We've got probably Super Tuesday there. You know, they got to do the convention. And and so that's why do we need Super Tuesday at this point if Dunbar is out? I mean, I I just feel like they've talked about it and maybe they don't need Super Tuesday, but they at least need the convention. There's no challenger now to Frank. I mean, he is now super popular after the assassination attempt. People love Claire. I think that we're probably going to have a jump where now we're starting to talk about naming the running mate. I feel like that the next episode that comes up is going to be dealing with how do we get Blythe out of the picture? How do we start to message this to the people around? Like you name it at the convention. That's going to be what it's named. But like, I think we're going to, how do we sell this? Yeah. I mean, I, I would prefer if that's what we do, because I think, you know, we've all got primary fatigue, but I just think, I, I don't know. I, I I think it'll be interesting to see where they go. They could end the season on election day. They could end the season on inauguration day. Mm-hmm. They could end it. You know, we got a couple debates. We're going to want to see at least one or two debates between Conway and Frank. Yeah. I mean, I think that House of Cards in 2016 is almost the complete antithesis of the real life election in 2016, where we still have four people in the field for the Republicans. And they're talking about, you know, could it go down to the convention and some sort of like a contested convention and really a lot of drama on the Republican side. And Bernie is still around on the Democratic side, where it seems as though Conway and Underwood are now the clear people who are going to be the party's nominees by February. And there's really no drama to be had here between now and the convention. Yeah. I mean, I I think kind of the, the big smoking gun that we still have is this Google scandal, too. I think that's going to be a big piece moving forward. Oh, I didn't think it was necessarily a scandal. I thought that he just is tapped in. I mean, I I took that to mean that he's kind of doctoring the Google results and this is somehow going to come out. I mean, it's going to be something that's going to be dealt with in the story over the next few episodes. Well, Leanne's reaction to this was, oh, we're done. We don't have a shot. It wasn't like, oh, we got Conway. Now let's go ahead. Like the pollster is like, hey, you're wasting your time with this. That Conway just has the internet on lockdown. There's no way you can beat him. And Leanne even seems resigned to that. Like, oh, this this really sucks. And she tells Claire. Leanne doesn't think like an Underwood. Uh, Leanne is like the number one (laughs) campaign person that's being presented in the show. I mean, she was smart enough to nail Remy and Jackie on their photos. I think that if you put something in her lap, she would very clearly say, oh, this is something that we could nail Conway on. So where do you think the where do you think this Google? I mean, why would they they drop so much detail about this in this episode? Because 
We have brought back every single character in the history of the show here in season four. And there is one man in House of Cards that has access to all things on the internet that we have not seen yet. It is paving the way for the return of Gavin. Gavin and Cashew. Yes. Oh, man. I, I, uh, I don't know if we're going to see Gavin. We saw a lot of Gavin last I, season. Did you think we were going to see Zoe Barnes? <laughs> well, no, I did not. I, I, I guess... You know, it would be better odds we would see Gavin than Zoe Barnes, yes. Yes. I, I think that that could be a way to bring Gavin back into the story. Like, I think we're going to need somebody who's a hacker. Yeah, who's going who's gonna to take down all the Google AdWords credit that, right. that Conway has bought. Right, so they're going to do something and, you know, really exploit Conway from the inside. Doug's going to have to go back down and track him down again. I mean, it is interesting. It is an interesting tactic that that Conway knows what everybody's searching and how everybody's feeling. I mean, that I don't know. That was pretty cool. I I, I really like that part. I I think that's like the the nerdy internet person in me coming out. But I thought that was that was really interesting. Okay, so Dunbar, do we see her again the rest of the season? Oh, I think so. I, I think Dunbar is still going to be banging this drum. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's going to bang the drum. I think Dunbar is totally exposed. We saw two different confirmations, I felt like, from the show that Dunbar is D-O-N-E bar because, first off, we saw Doug say she's done with like, just, like, complete confidence. She's done. And then we saw her campaign manager call Seth and be like, hey, you got a job for me? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I have to hang up the phone now. Yeah, that was, phone that now. was really good. Yeah. So Dunbar was really done in by, maybe they could get her on the Supreme Court, but I don't even think, I mean, are we going to have a follow-up with that story? I mean, we had this whole big nomination. Is it, or is it because Frank Underwood is a lame duck president that he will not be able to nominate a Supreme Court justice in 2016? Has the Congress and the Senate ruled that Frank Underwood will not be allowed to nominate a replacement nominee for the Supreme Court? They're going to let the American people decide. Well, Frank will get it done. I think. I think he'll uh, he'll be able to do it. He's not going to let the people decide this one. <laughs> He's not going to kowtow to the Senate. He will force a nomination down their throat. I did really like the line by Dunbar: "The president is the people who work for him." Yes, I thought that was a great line. Yes, let's talk about the Jackie and Remy storyline because Claire Underwood is really she's trying to intimidate Jackie. She's using Remy as leverage against Jackie to try to get her agenda passed. Uh, she doesn't even try to hide it when Jackie says you're trying to blackmail me. She's like, "Well, look, hey, look, you were sloppy. What do you want me to do?" Yeah, uh, they had a, they had a really good they had a really good standoff, Jackie and Claire. You can't and, uh, fault me for your sloppiness. Yeah. She says, as long as we're working together, you have nothing to worry about. Where does Jackie's story ultimately go that we sort of started with Jackie Sharp in season two? She was sort of the opposite of Frank Underwood. We've seen her and Frank buttheads all through season three. But I'm sort of at a loss as to try to figure out where is her story going? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I've kind of not been able to tell where her story is going for the last couple seasons, um, but they've kept her around. She's always just kind of that person who's in Congress that that Frank can turn to to work with. And and even though she's usually resists Frank, she she ends up working for him and being involved in these things. So I don't really know where we're going to see Jackie go. I mean, does Jackie... Jackie and Dunbar might work together if Dunbar in stays what? in the picture. I mean, somebody's got to be trying to take down Frank. 
They have to continue to try to take down Frank. I don't know. I just think that Jackie, and I love Jackie. She is probably in my top three or four favorite characters on the show. She's in the running for LVP this season. Yeah, she she's got really nothing going on. Would she still be in the running for LVP if her and Remy would have gone skinny dipping in the bay? <laughs> yeah, yes, I would say that because it's again, it's like we have nothing to do with her except her, her have like this uh, like a uh, hot relationship with Remy or then uh, I don't know, like we don't even mention that she's married. Like I don't really understand the show has not really taken any lengths to sort of explain why she's so upset about this. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I think she is still married. She's made a couple comments about not wanting to go back and not wanting to be in hotels. You know, and I I haven't gone back and and seen if if we ever got any resolution on that in the last season. But I think she is still married. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe maybe something like that. Something is going to happen in the next episode that's going to kick off kind of a lot of our second half storylines. That's got to be. I think that the show is trying to sort of have its cake and eat it too with Jackie because I think they want us to keep her as like a favorable person. And I think they feel like if they really show her to us as an adulterer, show her like really a lot with her husband in the season, but then sort of cheating on her husband with Remy that we're going to really fall out of favor with Jackie or we're going to have some disdain for her. So I think that they're trying to keep that as separate, but Obviously, Jackie does not want this news to get out. I don't think it's because necessarily that Remy has a bad reputation as a lobbyist. Yeah. And the only thing I can think of is where we're going to go with Jackie is she does have a military history. So do we end up with some sort of military standoff or confrontation going on with Russia and China and the United States? Um, China seemed like they were in this episode, but really kind of pushed to the back burner, just in a room with Tusk the whole episode, pretty much. So do you think that perhaps Kathy could be out? That the Claire and Kathy thing, Claire says, look, Frank, I cannot deal with your wife anymore. If she's going to be your vice president, I'm going to have to resign. And like, okay, Kathy, you got to, that's fine if you got to leave. And then Jackie becomes the new secretary of defense. Because I feel like that would be a good way. There's nothing going on in the Congress these days. Yeah, is, is, Kathy, uh, Secretary of Defense or Secretary of State? I I'm can't. sorry, Secretary of it is Secretary Def- of State. Yeah, Secretary of State. So I think that would be a fine role for Jackie. Yeah, I mean, or maybe Jackie becomes Secretary of Defense. I don't know who the Secretary of Defense Either is. Either one, but let's get her more in the mix. I feel like I love Kathy also, but I think that you could have Jackie in that Kathy role, and that gives her a little more meat to uh, play with here. I don't actually know. She doesn't need any more meat to play with. She needs, <laughs> she needs a story. <laughs> yes, I, I agree with that. She she needs something to do. Although I, I would like Kathy Durant to have something to do, too. I, I like that Kathy Durant brought up the beer pong game from a couple seasons ago because, um, you know, I, I, I like the beer pong storyline. That yeah. was fun. This is the season that's picked up all the loose ends. Yeah, it really. I mean, that's got to be intentional. They're doing this. And, and maybe it's because this was intended to be the last season. Um, you know, I, I don't know. But we're we're seeing everything come back around full circle. Zach, do you think that it could possibly be because this is the showrunner Bo Willimon's last season that he wanted to make sure if he knew he was going to leave at the end of the fourth season, does he want to make sure that all of the stories that he wrote 
end up being tied up and paid off before he walks away, even though the show will move on without him. Yeah, he just wants to leave them with kind of nowhere to go from here. And so no, he's not like, necessarily that. I just feel like, does he want to walk away from this and not say, oh, I wish I would have gotten to finish that story? Does he want to sort of tie up all the loose ends that he left in there from seasons one, two, three, and then everything after this, he could say, okay, well, all my stories are tied up. Yeah, so he he wants to bring everything full circle and 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 do do loop. everything do everything that was on his bucket list for the yeah. show. Yeah, everything yeah. that he saw. Yeah, I, I could see that. He he is kind of at this point a lame duck showrunner though. <laughs> lame duck show. So should he be allowed to appoint any new characters into the show? <laughs> Maybe they're not letting him appoint any new characters, and that's why we haven't seen Conway yet. <laughs> yes, he's not allowed to appoint new characters into the show because of his lame duckness, and so he has to go back and revisit all old characters. Right. He's got to bring everything full circle. That's why we're seeing more Donald Blythe and Hammerschmidt. Hammerschmidt. Yeah. Tusk. <laughs> okay oh that guy yeah let's bring who is who is the guy who's in the background yeah let's let's bring that guy back (laughs) maybe we'll see the owner of the dog from the first episode uh, be brought back we'll bring bring everybody back all right so frank has made a miraculous recovery he's gotten the new liver what did you think of doug trying to strong arm the woman who runs the organ donation center i mean that was pretty cold-hearted and I mean, like, like you said in the last episode, I mean, it is the president of the United States and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he probably shouldn't be third on the line for anything, let alone something that's going to keep him alive. But that is one of those loose threads that, you know, that, that might stick around or that might come back later in the season where they wouldn't have introduced her by name as a character and really shown us that. I mean, one of the last scenes of the episode is where she emails him that picture. So is there going to be something there? Is she going to try to oppose Frank? The woman from the organ donation center? She was the head of health and human services. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, are people really going to, this is going to be a scandal that the president needed to live out. We were shocked that they, the president wasn't automatically number one. Right. Well, it's the law and she either had to change her ethics or she had to resign. And he was said he was going to just keep firing people until he could find <laughs> the person. Firing, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like an intern at, at Health and Human Services is like, oh, okay, yeah, that that that's fine. I'm okay with that. What did you think of the way that the show did the way that Frank got the liver? Where we saw a kid, we didn't know who he was. We heard the mom saying, "Danny, what was that?" And then he ends up shooting himself. And then we go right to Frank in surgery. Did you, were you confused about how that was set up? At first I wondered what that was and and he punched the glass to get something and we heard uh, his mother yelling. And I think it really is just to kind of show some of the people that are affected that we don't think about when, when Frank needs a liver. I I think it would have been more interesting if we would have seen the family of the guy who didn't get the liver instead of the guy who donated the liver. But Um, was there any connection like with somebody like killing themselves so Frank Underwood could get a liver or it was just like some random kid committed suicide and that was the liver that Frank Underwood got? I think that's what it is. And I'm surprised that like a teenager's liver could be put in a a 65, 70 year old man's body. 
I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I thought at first, was that the kid of the guy who was waiting for the liver was going to come, was committing suicide. So I felt like that they probably just could have uh, given us a little more setup that this was a random person. Yeah. I did actually think when they showed the picture of the family, it did look like that kid yeah. was in that picture. Uh, but that would, that would be so weird though. I, I don't, I don't know how that would work. Well, I want to know Henry tale. That would be if the kid who killed himself because his father was dying and he could not get a liver committed suicide, shot himself in the head. And it turned out that he was a match for the person who cut his dad in line to get a liver. Uh, boy, that would be something. I mean, that would be really ironic. Now, that would uh, be ironic. Where, where I come from, uh, that would be uh, more ironic than raining on your wedding day. <laughs> that a, a spoon when all you need is a knife. <laughs> Which really, I mean, you could probably cut something with a spoon if you really had to. <laughs> okay. Are you ready to get into some of these questions from the listeners? Yeah, I mean, did we do justice to the whole Claire and Petrov thing over at the G7 summit? We we kind of touched on it. We touched but. on it, that very confrontational that Petrov, uh, like, he's trying to put the moves on Claire. And Claire was like, uh, no, sir, let me tell you, you are a beggar. You have nothing. Yeah, treats him like a dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she says that uh, you are going to take whatever we shove down your throat. Yeah, and he took it. Okay, you got me, Ms. Underwood. You got me. <laughs> Just okay. say shame on you, Mr. President. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, take the deal, Victor. Get your dignity back. Yeah. Like, okay, I, okay, okay. You got me. And, and, you know, he did bring back Michael Corrigan. So, so we had another character brought up in this season um, and, and talked about how he put the noose around his neck. So yeah. another callback to a previous season. Is that what you did to Michael Corrigan, huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. House of Cards, greatest hits. My Petrov is really just triumph the insult comic dog. Yeah, I, mean, I, I tried to do Petrov there when I said say Not shame good. on you, Mr. President, and it started to sound like a really bad Frank Underwood. So I think in my mind, I just jumble all of the characters of House of Cards into one cocktail, one into Molotov one. cocktail. All right, let's start to get into these emails that we get every episode. HOC at Post Show Recaps dot com. Put the chapter title in the subject line so we can find it in the inbox and uh let's see who should we start with uh why don't we start with tom h uh i don't know is this uh tom, tom hammerschmidt yeah oh. <laughs> now this is tom in norway norway iowa wants to know do you think it's believable that the secretary of health and human services and the attorney general for that matter are really going to be that easily manipulated by the white house chief of staff I'm curious if we think that this is something that could happen in reality. I certainly think that in the Underwood administration, nothing is out of the realm of possibility, but is Doug's power how we think it might actually be in Washington? Love the podcast. Very interesting, thought-provoking question. Does this actually happen where the president's chief of staff just, if somebody tells him no, he says, I'll fire you and get somebody else who will tell me yes? I don't think so. I mean, you know, like it's there is enough that you could be like a whistleblower or something like that happened and really cause an uproar. And, you know, if you're the director of health and human services and you get fired, you can still get a good job. You can still get a good gig. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, you know, it is do we see in real life that that Congress people are are getting killed by the president or that reporters are getting shoved in front hey, of Metro you don't, cars. This is the stuff you don't know about. Cause we don't have yeah. the Lucas's out there anymore. Or Zoe Barnes is to tell us how it really is. 
Yeah, and, and you know they're they're controlling my internet, so I can't see this stuff. Yeah, that and I, then Conway is blocking it. <laughs> oh, Conway. Dot Conway. <laughs> Dot Conway. All right. Uh, what other emails do we have? So I got one from Brendan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, the great Brendan Fitzpatrick. Yes, the always writing in questions, Brendan Fitzpatrick. What are your honest thoughts on Conway? I was a little disappointed that it wasn't a bigger actor or bigger presence on the screen. You want bigger than RoboCop? Yeah, Robo Conway. (laughs) Robo Conway? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I like that they cast like a a guy who's young and that has been into some stuff and he's got a resume behind him, so... And House of Cards does not really do, like, huge cast. I mean, they got Nev Campbell this season. I don't know who you necessarily want. I think that was a pretty good get to uh, get RoboCop from the killing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that was... And we haven't even seen him yet. I think more my... He'll be good. I think he'll my, be good. My thoughts on this are, are kind of, what are your thoughts on holding back this character of Conway for the entire first half of the season. Well, I think that they probably only could get him for a limited amount of time. He probably did not have the availability, I think, to do like if if they had him for the whole season, I think they could have written a storyline for him, but I think that because they maybe only had him for a couple of months of shooting that all his stuff was going to be towards the end of the season and then they kept the Dunbar storyline going for the first 6 episodes. So what is he doing? RoboCop two or something? I'm not sure if he's doing RoboCop two, but I feel like that he's probably busy with something. Yeah. Well, I don't know what could be busier than running for president, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm excited to get him as an active member and good for him. He's, he is in the credits of every episode and hasn't even been in an episode yet. So <laughs> he, we agent- saw him briefly on Fox news in the beginning of the okay. season. So he's gotten now six episodes credited to his name for six seconds of airtime in the first episode. His his agent did a very good job. Let's take a question from Jared. And he writes in, holy cow, that was crazy. Poor Zach predicted that the episode that Frank and Claire would get together was off by one number. So so many questions, though. Uh, Among the questions uh, from Jared, he wants to know, I like how they tease the upcoming battle with the Republican nominee. And since the episode highly suggested that Heather's campaign is over, I feel like uh, this Republican will be Frank's foil the rest of the season. How do you think that the Underwoods are going to combat this polyhop business? Uh, that was the name of the search engine that he has nailed down. So I threw out the Gavin theory. Do you have a suggestion? Um, I mean, I think this is going to be something that they're either going to you know, maybe they get a hacker to manipulate it or it just becomes the big scandal that they, they say, Hey, he's controlling what you see. He's a, you know, this, I mean, you're really, you're really getting a lot of uh, like totalitarian dictatorship stuff from this, where we're seeing him controlling the information that people are seeing about him. And he's seeing what people are searching for and are interested in. So uh, this guy might be a pretty shady dude. I'm, I'm excited to, you know, I've said it a bunch. I'm excited to see this guy and, you know, Dunbar's campaign is over, but we're just getting started. <laughs> now, look, uh, back when I was at the Citadel, I had to read a book called 1984. And in 1984, there was Big Brother, and they were looking into all of your business. And I don't know about you, but I don't want Conway knowing every little Google search that I do on WebMD. I should have some privacy. Uh, that is why Conway, that he would like it if everybody became a cyborg. Uh, he would like to replace the whole police department with <laughs> cyborgs that are all connected to computers and all sort of robotics. Yeah. 
Robocop, uh, Robocop Conway, Robo Conway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, All right. he is he is the big brother isn't he he's gonna be uh the big brother expect the unexpected from conway you know what to get from uncle frank but first he's gonna run for but president first <laughs> i will if if any bills come across my desk, i will use the power of veto i will not hesitate <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you my nominations ahead of time who's safe and who was going to be on the block. <laughs> oh, man. That, yeah, he's, he's going to have to really, really get a good jury going. <laughs> All right. Uh, here is from uh, Spencer Y. who says, uh, Jackie and Remy are on the rock. So it's clear, clear as moonshine, that Claire and Leanne and the photographer are all connected. So with Claire aware of the affair, are Jackie and Remy over, or are they just getting started, or are they just at odds with one another because of the bailout bill? If people knew about Jackie's indiscretions, would it be bad enough for her to get removed from office? Where do you think that Jackie and Remy are going? No, it's, Jackie and Remy would not be enough for her to get removed from office. That is like... 50 down on the list of scandals that have happened just in the last year in this universe. So I think, I think, you know, if she's having an affair, it's like, okay, good. She's not murdering anybody. <laughs> so I think that's okay. Okay. Do you have another email? Uh, I, yeah. And I think I, just going back to that real quick, I think, you know, Jackie and Remy are the Jim and Pam or the, you know, whatever, you know, the Ross and Rachel of the show. <laughs> Will so they be, or won't they? We yeah. were on a break. The Dylan and Brenda or the Dylan and Kelly, depending on how you feel of mm-hmm. this show. Yeah. So Brenda had all the power. Kelly was weak. She had blonde hair. <laughs> oh, that's that's a good point. Yeah. They were they were thinking about it way back then. Uh Johnny D. Silvera, the great Johnny D. Silvera, he said, Another couple dream sequences by Frank. At this rate, they'll happen more often than him breaking the fourth wall. Oh, come on, Johnny. Yeah. I think he's he's not a fan. Should Frank have broken the fourth wall more in dream sequence? I mean, have we only seen Frank break the fourth wall like a handful of times Just this that season? one time. Like, yeah. I really thought I mean, that would have been good in the dream sequence. It was like, uh, like I can't believe it. I'm going to die. <laughs> he like, didn't say really anything sucks. in the dream sequence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you really believe that my own show would kill me off like this? Like, uh, of all <laughs> the indignity. Can you believe this? They brought Pete so back. They're bringing everybody back this season. I never thought I'd see Zoe Barnes here again. Yet here she is, clear as moonshot. And now they're going to make me run for president against the big brother. <laughs> All right. Steph B says, do you think that Dunbar could have won if she lied to the court? Um, no, I think she was damned if she did, damned if she didn't. Hmm. But I did, I did like, you know, it was, she took a risk. She tried to make a big move by saying that she would let them. Moves. Yeah, she said, you know, you can show this to everybody. You can show this video to the entire country so they know what's going on. And people just did not react uh, very well to that. Yeah, I think that that was really the sign that she was done for. I think when she said, yeah, you show this to anybody. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I wasn't expecting that it to, to go to everybody being like, Dunbar bombed. How could she do this to the president while he is on the mend? <laughs> Dunbar blew it. Yeah. So. I do like it when we see the the news reporters' hot takes yeah. on what's going on. <laughs> do you it's like it when, wrong. <laughs> when we get like a Wolf Blitzer reacting to something, or do you like it when it is like the fake newscasters? 
Oh, it's way better when it's Wolf Blitzer. I think it's great that he's in this. And, and Wolf Blitzer, you know, he lives in D.C. He goes to like all the Washington Nationals games and Wizards games and stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, I really like Wolf Blitzer. I think it's cool they got him on the show. You know that we're always in for a good deal of exposition when it's the fake newscasters. Like the one fake newscaster <laughs> that broadcast about the uh, Frank Underwood assassination really went for it. He was really talking about how, and on this day... It's a day that we have to look back and reflect inward about what this country is all about. Like that, that, that really, he went like full Walter Cronkite on us. Yeah. He had to take off his glasses to pause for a second. (laughs) Yeah. Really uh, giving us opinion as well with the news and reporting on what was going on. Yeah. So uh, really, I do think that the assassination attempt that I think that everybody's going to be like, uh, oh my God, Frank Underwood, he almost died. We love him now. I think that that his numbers are going to really just be like 90%. Yeah, no, I think I think he's going to have a lot of support. And, and what's Conway going to do to the internet to get a little of that support back? I don't know. Maybe he's going to find those Zoe Barn text messages. Oh, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I and know. I did like that we got the text messages back um, in, I think it was this, the episode before this. We hadn't seen the text messages on screen yeah, since in a long for time. season one, I feel like. Yeah, so it, it was good to have that back because people aren't going to stop texting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I liked when Remy was going to say, like, I miss you, and then he, like, deleted the text. And then and then his, Jackie Sharp's phone starts ringing, and they do, like, the very convenient pan of the camera right over the top of the phone. <laughs> so you can see Remy in huge letters. Oh, okay, that's who's calling her. Okay. What's the hashtag for our chapter 45 talk? I mean, there, there are so many good options. There's uh, Dot Conway. There's Robo Conway. There's Big Brother President. Uh, Let's go Dot Conway just for the sake of uh, brevity. Sure. Yeah. Dot Conway. Is that the guy who's in 30 Rock? <laughs> yes. Okay. All right, Zach. So here we are. The next time we come back, we will officially be across the halfway mark of season four of House of Cards when we cover chapter 46. So we are six episodes in. Very excited. Can you believe how fast we're moving along? No, it's it's it always surprises me how quick the season of, of House of Cards goes. And I guess it goes even faster if you sit on like a Saturday and watch the entire season in one sitting. But, um, you know, even spacing it out. You know, I, I don't Kevin's know how spacing it out. Kevin, yeah, Kevin spacing it out. I don't know how people how people take even longer. I mean, every time I finish one of these episodes, I'm excited to get on here and talk about it with you. But I just want to hit that next button and, okay. and watch the next one. Well, about 10 minutes from now, we're going to be watching chapter 46. So uh, we will be jumping right back into this and talking with you guys once again. Get your emails in HOC at postshowrecaps.com. Include that chapter number in the subject line, and we'll take it from there. Of course, you could subscribe to the podcast. Don't miss the exciting back half as we march towards Election Day. The place for politics is right here. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, postshowrecaps.com slash H-O-C iTunes. All right, Zach, anything else? Uh, I do think that, or I hope that we see some more of Claire's mother. We haven't seen her in a little while. Okay, we'll do a check-in back. What's her name? Uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Okay. And maybe we'll check in with Doris and Celia and all the people back in Dallas. You don't even like Celia. No. Why are you wanting Celia to come back? <laughs> <laughs> we have to see Celia's campaign as we head towards November. Oh, she's got that locked up. I think. <laughs> Who's she I running against? Nobody. Who are they she's, putting she, up against Celia? She's entitled to that position. She's not entitled to uh, nothing. There has to be a Republican that's running against her. 
do you want to see the 30th district race? Yes. Let's pause from, from this presidential campaign to look at the 30th district in Texas. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Who, who will Tony Romo vote for? <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, we will find out everything that goes on in Chapter 46 when we come back on our next House of Cards poster recap. Take care, everybody. Bye.